What makes singleness kind of tricky is you don't know when that time ends. Some other seasons Mm -hmm. like college years, you have a time frame of how many years it takes to get a degree where singleness, we don't have that time frame. Not every season does. Your singleness is not second best. It is where God has you in this moment. You are listening to If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast about what life is really like as a young adult Christian. My name's Tim. I work in Family Life's radio production department. My name is Becky. I work in Family Life's development department and events department. I'm Robbie, and I work for Family Life's performing arts department. And I'm Mary, and I work with Tim in the radio production department. Yes, it is different today. We are, it's 2021, but we're still distancing and stuff, and that was expected. Didn't take any of us by surprise. 2021 wasn't going to magically take away everything that made 2020 weird. But uh, it's more than just 2021. It's also, as some folks have called it, Singles Awareness Month. I don't know how. I didn't even know that. I I was not aware. Even as a single person, I was not aware. <laughs> I hope that's not insensitive um, to call it Singles Awareness Month. I think that's the point is to be sensitive because it's the month of love and Hallmark and hearts mm. and cupids and chocolates. I guess I could just say at the outset of this, it's m- maybe misunderstood is a good way to start what we're talking about. First of all, I'm just wondering, what are some of the lies, the big lies we believe about singleness? Well, let me just let me just jump right in there by saying, you know, <laughs> WWJD, what would Jesus do? Jesus was single, podcast is over. I'm trying to be like <laughs> I'm trying to be like Jesus, okay? Wrap it up. That's all. I am also single. Um and I guess two of the things that stuck out to me with lies that we believe about singleness is that something is wrong with you if you are single, that you're not complete and something's just lacking and wrong. And or that singleness is a permanent thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I I had those uh, thoughts written down definitely. Just like, oh, there's something wrong with you if you're not married. Like, uh, well, actually, no, <laughs> that's not true. Actually, and another thing that stuck out to me was even though we're single, we have a lot of pressure on us to be constantly searching for a relationship. I feel like that pressure sort of comes from both the Christian circle and even the secular worlds just like, hey, you're single. You should be going on dates all the time. I think that's definitely one of the things for me, you know, not like having any that idea or that expectation that people have of, okay, so when are you going to meet that special someone? Or like, (laughs) is there anyone in your life? You're like, She thinks grandma. (laughs) I know. I know. My poor grandmother. I called her to tell her I bought a house and I was like, I have some exciting news. Can you guess what it is? She's like, are you married? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, grandma, I think I would have at least told you if I had a girlfriend. And she was like, no one tells me anything anymore. I don't know anything anymore. (laughs) But I think that's just that that feeling that there is this constant expectation. Like, when is someone going to ask me? Is there someone in my life? Yeah, like once I once I reach that point of a relationship, then I will have I don't know what arrived or mm-hmm. been completed or everybody else is supposed to be happy because of that for me, and then I just move on with my life or like what 
I, I don't know. It's just something people say. I, I feel like that's the most common question singles get is, oh, yeah. are you in a relationship? Or when is that going to happen? It's really funny going to like my grandparents' old old church that they used to go to. There was just a bunch of old ladies there who would try to set me up with like their grandson. And so I'm just like, <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, thanks, I think. <laughs> I think. I don't know. I, I think it's sort of believing the benefit of the doubt. I think oftentimes when people are in those situations or, or or when people are, you know, trying to set you up with somebody or asking, you know, is there somebody? I think I I feel like I think it's easier for us to assume that they're looking at us, you know, like, oh, hmm, what's wrong with you? But I feel like maybe part of the time it's just they want to be excited for you and celebrate for you if you get to that spot. And so I think it's sort of like, mm. hey, you know, can can we celebrate with you that you're in that? And so I've had to remind myself of that, like, okay, when somebody asks, they're probably not trying to point out some fault of mine or make me feel weird or uncomfortable. They're, they're probably just excited for that potential possibility and they mm-hmm. want to excite i think the same thing is true when when there's a married couple of people like hey one of those babies coming <laughs> right, you know right, i right. feel like you married young people that don't have babies or in a you know i think there's always some stage of life that people can quote like make fun or poke fun or hey jab the elbow when 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 you know when you're single when you're gonna get married when, when you're gonna give us grandkids and i feel like it's just <laughs> because they're excited about the possibility mm-hmm. not because What's wrong with you and your wife? You're what, you know. Right, sure. So I've had to remind myself of that. I, yeah, I think that's a super good point that that happens in every stage of life. I mean, if you're listening to this show, you've probably gone through high school and been asked all the, so what's your major going to be questions? And you might be like, I wasn't going to go to college actually, or, you know, or whatever. And there's these (laughs) expectations. Um, So just perfectly upfront. I mean, if you've listened to the show before, uh, my wife has been on the show, Trinity, so I am not in the singleness boat. So I'm speaking as one who's asking a lot of questions here. And anything I do say is to the effect of things that I have heard from or seen being an issue for my single friends, of which I have many, um, all of which are people I'm talking to in the show today. I think all of those expectation-loaded questions that we get, whether it's about your major or about if you're going to have kids or or like what we're specifically zeroing in on today, singleness and the question of when is somebody coming along in your life, those kind of loaded expectation questions are being asked because the, the thing being expected by other people is a genuinely good thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being in a relationship. There's nothing wrong with with having a, a major and going to college and, and all of those things. They're, they're asked, the questions are asked because well, those are basically good things. Maybe the underlying assumption, though, that we might want to challenge today is, yes, they're, they're good things, but do they, is it always healthy for them to be expected Things is a is there a place in which they can have an unhealthy emphasis put on them? Yeah, I think that kind of depends on where the focus is on the person, the single person who is receiving that question of, okay, is my main focus on the fact that I am single and don't have a relationship, um, or is my main focus on God and Jesus and my relationship with Him and how I can serve and minister? And the same could be said of the person who is asking the question of 
Are you in a relationship? When is that going to happen? I think it depends on the focus and the heart behind that, which is hard to see without really knowing the person receiving and asking the question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one thing that I've been talking to some people about in preparation for this conversation is uh, I like to call it the one syndrome. Mm. So it's it's this uh, idea that every time you meet someone who could be even remotely eligible to someday, maybe very unlikely, be a future spouse, you're like, "Ooh, is that the one?" Is it the and, one? And that it's almost never the one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking of Anna in Frozen. <laughs> it's like Anna syndrome, right? Like, I don't know where that drive comes from. I think a lot of it, though, gets placed on us by culture. I mean, we're constantly force-fed narratives about the soulmate just kind of, it just was meant to be. We crossed paths like this, and, and we have this in common and this. And, uh, you know, hence the Anna syndrome. Yeah. Well, you could really just call it the Disney female <laughs> character syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even think of a Disney movie. Well, there's like Moana, I think. Now but they have a like, few because they recognize that. <laughs> yeah. Figured it out. Like, oop, <laughs> the whoops. old ones, though, they're all like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oftentimes when Christians get together to talk about singleness, they talk about <laughs> what singleness is, meaning singleness as a thing that isn't marriage. And they talk about it all from the aspect of looking at it as a negative thing that you can cope with and all of this kind of stuff. And I I think maybe that's kind of that's kind of assuming the conversation from the wrong angle because we're we've got to imagine, okay, wait, that that presupposes that the Bible makes marriedness the end all be all goal. Right. Does it? Right. Well Robbie said as his first note today in the podcast something about a very important <laughs> biblical character who wasn't married in that sense that we think of marriage. Jesus. We're all, of course, the bride of Christ as his church. But Jesus wasn't married. Paul wasn't married. I think it's important to look at a conversation on singleness, realizing, hold on now, the Bible doesn't make marriedness the ultimate goal of the Christian life. It's a positive thing. It's a good thing. It might be a gift God gives. So what does God's word say about singleness? And then the other side, Mm -hmm. what does the Bible not say about marriedness. Well, it's funny that you would mention the bride of Christ because I don't know if that was something that either of the two of you had thought about, but that's kind of what popped into my head. Like, okay, I'm never going to be a bride. You know, maybe Becky will be someday. (laughs) Maybe Mary will be someday, but I'm never going to be. But then when you look in scripture, like, I actually am a bride of Christ. Like, the church (laughs) is the bride. And so that's kind of the idea I was exploring. Like, oh, actually... If you're a Christian, caveat, caveat, um, no one is single. I'm actually not single. I'm in a re- I am in a relationship, even though it's not a physical, tangible someone I can mm-hmm. see and hug. But like Jesus, I, I talk to him. I hear from him. I spend time with him. And in this season of singleness, I'm able to actually do probably more so than my sister who cannot carve out a large amount of time to sit and read her Bible because she has four children that need her attention <laughs> all the time unless they're sleeping and never are four of them sleeping at the same time. 
And so <laughs> I was even thinking about this today, you know, in the quietness of my my house. I just bought a house and I'm sitting there like, wow, this is this is a time that there's no one here to distract me. There's no one here for me to take care of or focus on. I can just it's just me and Jesus and I can talk to him as long as I want. Without interruption, I can read his word as long. And so I was just reflecting on the fact that, like, oh, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm I'm single. I'm not married, but not really. And I was looking at this. I love that God puts pictures all over. You know, oh, he's our father. Oh, we have fathers. We're his children. Oh, we have parents and children. That's a visual picture. Oh, the fact that husbands and wives. It's all. It's all just a picture of what God's trying to paint. Yeah. This is from Ephesians. Five, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wow, that's that's this relationship I have with God where, you know, he's taking care of me and providing for me and gave himself up for me. And so how can I be loving and honoring and respecting him as my Husband, you know, because right, right, we're the, bri- yeah, we're we the, bride, the bride, of Christ, the bride of Christ, of and and so I just that was an interesting thing for me to reflect on. Awesome, yeah, so glad that verse got brought up because that's a crucial passage for this whole whole thing. Becky, I see your Bible cracked open there, so let's yes. go to you next for the Bible, and then Mary. Um, I'm in Ecclesiastes three. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And as I was thinking about singleness and what the Bible says about it, it just kind of jumped out at me that my whole life has been made up of many different seasons, some of which are hard, some of which are easy. And the fact that singleness itself is a season of life. I may be single until the day I go to meet the Lord. I may not be. I might be single for another year. I might be single for another 10 years. I think what makes singleness kind of tricky is you don't know when that time ends. Some other seasons Mm -hmm. like the teen years or high school years or college years, you have a time frame of either age or how many years it takes to get a degree, where singleness, we don't have that time frame, but not every season does. And something that I've been always challenged myself to do is to enjoy the moment that I'm in or enjoy the season that I'm in. Mm -hmm. Um, Every season has its ups and downs. And Singleness has a lot of great things and it has a lot of difficult things, but no matter what, it's a season that I can enjoy and use to honor the Lord. Um, so that's kind of what stuck out to me is that there literally is a season for everything. That's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's excellent. What have you, what have you got, Mary? Well, I went to the probably most well-known passage of the Bible when talking about singleness. I was like really surprised that no one else uh, referenced it, but... Um, first Corinthians seven, 25 through 40 in a nutshell, because that's uh, really long. He said, you could get married, but isn't it so much nicer being single and being able to focus all yourself on to Christ and married, married people have so many more troubles. So, so sort of what you were saying, Robbie, about each phase of life, each grass is greener sort of moment has its own different problems and things. So I think that was something that was like, yeah, that's, that's true. All my problems won't be fixed. If I was married, I would probably have more actually. (laughs) (laughs) Not that marriage is a bad thing. And I definitely not saying that, but I also found, sorry, one more. No, no, Um, no, that's good. (laughs) 
Um, in the beginning of Isaiah 54, for the children of the destitute one will be more than the children of the one who is married. I uh, really like that because, because we have more time as single people, um, we're not responsible for anyone else. We have the ability to adopt our own families. <laughs> um, not in the official sense of the word adopt, but more in the relational sense of the word, I guess. So we have more time to go and do things with other people and focus on our relationships with our friends and et cetera, et cetera. Well, I definitely, so. that was something I was going to bring up too. The idea that there's opportunities to, you know, reach out and, and even help take care. You know, my sister, both, both of them have lots of kids and I've had opportunities to go be with them and play with them and send them packages. And, you know, even Easter time, I sent an Easter package and my sister was like, I didn't have time to put Easter packages together. I wanted to and I couldn't. And so mm -hmm. thank you for being that uncle that did that for them. And so it's like in my singleness, I had the time available to put towards them because my sister's just trying to keep them alive. Like she, she can't like also get all this icing on the cake stuff. So it's fun to be able to be that sometimes for, for people. Specifically about what the Bible doesn't say about marriedness. I think it's important to reflect that we live in a culture, both secularly in America and religiously in most American applications of Christianity that puts a premium on being in a relationship. Um, the world, the secular aspect of that doesn't necessarily put a premium on being in a family relationship. It's just get in a relationship. <laughs> the Christian subculture aspect of that in America is, is very much though, like, like if you're not married, you're okay. Well, God's got that for you later. Like that's, that is the good thing you've got to get to you're kind of in a second best position until then. She's out there somewhere. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I love what the New Testament gives us as an example. So the, the Old Testament is exceedingly, you know, very genetically family focused in a lot of ways. Like there's all this Be stuff about- fruitful and multiply. <laughs> yeah, fruitful and multiply. I mean, the genealogies, all this stuff, the firstborn, so much is about birth, being born, being in a family. And, and that's because those are good things. And God designed those institutions to, to work those ways. And God's word gives us the pattern for those things. The New Testament doesn't change that. That's still the way God works in families and everything. But the New Testament gives us a bigger, more eternal way of being family too. Robbie has pointed out that the idea that marriage is between us and Christ for eternity um, the, the marriage that lasts for eternity isn't your marriage to somebody who you wear a ring for on earth. Jesus even tells us that that, that, that is not a, a marriage in those legal terms once you get into heaven anyways. Like mm. you're, you're not still married in the same sense that you are on earth when you get to heaven. Mm. You're eternal and, and forever and ever amen marriage is to Jesus if you're a believer. <laughs> so the Bible gives a, the New Testament shows us a more eternal way of understanding family and marriage. And that doesn't, uh, that doesn't undermine the truthful biblical definitions that we do have of marriage between a man and a woman and of family being a father and a mother and children. Um, those are still legitimate, 
the the eternal aspect is what we have with Christ. And we get that in the New Testament by, well, one, two of the, <laughs> if I can call Jesus a main character, um, two of the main <laughs> characters of the New Testament, Jesus and Paul, both single as, as the world understands singleness. And we look at evangelism in the New Testament. And I just think the coolest thing is, one of the coolest things to me in the book of Acts is in Acts 8 when Philip, is ministering to giving the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch, who is a believer, um, not in Christ yet, but he's followed the Old Testament and he he's made his trip to Jerusalem to worship the God that he knows. And he's searching the scriptures for who this Messiah character is. And he's going back to his home in Ethiopia and Philip finds him and he finds him reading a passage about the Messiah. And the eunuch is like, yeah, this is this is great. I, I worship this God and stuff, but who is this Messiah? And Philip shares the gospel with him. What's so cool is that somebody in this eunuch's position in the Old Testament would have had second class access to God because of who he was biologically. He wouldn't have been able to enter the same parts of the temple that other men would have been able to enter. He would have been always a step removed. He would have been saved in those terms still, but he would have been second rate. Philip now is saying, no, 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 no. This family is is a bigger thing now than just about if you have kids or not and if you have a ring on or not. The family of God is something that's for everybody. And Mary shared that aspect from the from Isaiah about the destitute one will have more children than the one who is mm-hmm. married. And that's God mm-hmm. kind of prefiguring that and other verses. There are many other verses like that about eunuchs and such and barren women and such being like, God's way of understanding family is going to is going to widen out to something so much more fulfilling when you see who Jesus is when he comes in the New Testament. So I just love that that's how Acts starts off by kind of expanding this this understanding of belonging to a family. It's it's not just the way the world sees it anymore. It's not just the way the court and the legal system sees it. Jesus understands family and children, he shows us a way to imagine that differently, and, and it's true. That's, that's what I have to say about what the Bible doesn't say about marriedness. What would you tell yourself or a single friend when struggling with singleness? I think the best piece of advice that I've heard and reminded myself of and would remind other singles of is, don't think of your singleness as second best. Um, this goes back to the greener on the other side because you have a lot of purpose in your singleness. Um, when you are married, I, it part of the purpose of your life is more evident because you have a spouse and potentially a family. So it is right there in front of you, part of the purpose of your life. But being single, you do have a purpose for your life, and the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Both singleness and marriages have their ups and downs, and their different difficulties. But being single, you have, like we talked about earlier, a lot of freedom to help out with family or to serve the church, um, to say yes to things you otherwise would not have been able to say yes to. Um, so just a reminder that your singleness is not second best. It is where God has you in this moment. And we get to enjoy and embrace that um, no matter what it looks like. Other thing I would add is to surround yourself with good, solid believers and people who can pour into your life. Um, I know I've got 
a good solid group of friends who pour into my life and I have the opportunity to pour into their lives and they're a mix of singles and married couples and amongst the married couples some have been married a few years some have been married several years Mm -hmm. Um, and just having that group of people to surround yourself with who can invest in me and I can invest in them um, is a huge help because we were made for community and that community might look like singleness for the rest of your days surrounded by a great group of people, or it might look like eventually leaving the singleness group and getting married and still being surrounded by that same group of people. So surround yourself with an awesome group of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we all, again, if you're a Christian, you have <laughs> spiritual gifts. It's mm-hmm. not like, well, once you're married, then you get spiritual gifts. It's like you have those the minute you're born again. Mm-hmm. And so you have something to do that he made you to do. And he might have made you to do it with someone else and get married and and do that. And maybe he didn't. And or maybe you're in that time frame waiting to get to that spot. So I don't know how to tell you what it is, but he made you interested and passionate about something And I know a guy who was really interested in camping, and he was single for years. I don't even know how old he was when he finally got married. I don't know, in his 60s? I think he was in his 60s, Or something like that. But he spent that whole time just being really frugal and buying camping gear and taking teens out camping and sharing the gospel and getting kids Mm, saved for years. Then he got married in his 60s, and now he's happily married. But I, you know, maybe I'm the weird one but i'm really i'm really enjoying my my singleness i'm i'm really finding lots of things to do and be involved in and other people's lives and hobbies and all kinds of all kinds of things and and also serving other people so i find a thing that you like and just pour yourself into it i think one thing that's uh that I would say to someone who is struggling with singleness and even to myself too sometimes is that in your singleness, God can use you and teach you in ways that you could never be used or or lessons you could never learn if you were in a relationship. And also, if it's like your heart's desire to get married, God knows that. He sees that. He doesn't give you desires that he's not going to use in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. And so um, another really important thing to remember is to just trust God in his timing because he's he's got a plan. <laughs> and even if it's not to be married, which can be really hard to allow that to be a possible scenario, he will use you in the best way that he possibly could. You just have to trust him with that. Yeah, it's going to be hard, and it's also going to be really cool because God's pretty cool. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of If That Makes Sense. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, we would be so grateful if you considered making a gift to Family Life. That's the organization that makes this podcast possible. You can do that by going to fln.org slash give fln.org slash give and help make great content like this possible by your support. Thank you so much for considering that. 
And we don't want you to forget about the other Family Life original podcast content out there like Therese Talk, which is now a weekly podcast. You can check out every Tuesday by searching Therese Talk at fln.org slash podcast or find it on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Thanks so much for listening and we hope to talk with you in the next one. 